What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? You know who it is. It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We have uh, the wonderful Dakota Schmidt on the show today. He came on a couple months ago. Um, he is SB Nation's um, resident uh, all things G League uh, guy. He He watches like a million hours of G League basketball every week, and um, just knows everything about the G League. So I figured it was a good time to have him come on the program and uh, talk about uh, some of the more interesting Knicks G Leaguers, uh, most prominent of which um, Kenny Wooten hopefully will be up pretty soon, um, maybe after the trade deadline. We also touch on Lamar Peters, uh, talk about Kadeem Allen for hot minute and then uh finish up on uh actually we we talk about Iggy and then we finish up on on talking about just the overall Westchester program they have going on down there and is it actually really you know as helpful and copacetic with the rest of the organization as we kind of hear sometimes and you know are there other benefits well you could hear the conversation pretty soon but i just wanted to to take a quick minute, because it's, what is it, it's Thursday night? Yeah, I think it's Thursday night. And um, a piece of news came out before, and, you know, I <laughs> I don't usually do the solo opens. You know, it, it's, there's God knows, there's so much shit that happens with this team. Um, if I did a, if I did one of these for, for every time something dropped um i i would uh i'd be doing a lot more of them than i do but you know (laughs) something about this really struck me and maybe it was because of the news that came out earlier today so the news that i'm talking about is that the knicks um in their infinite wisdom have um hired the firm uh that the I guess the Nets hired to kind of rebrand them and give the Nets a makeover. Um, they have the Knicks have now hired them to try to give uh, the Knicks a makeover and uh, attempt to bolster its brand and strengthen its ties to the fan base. So this was interesting to me. I, and, and I should say, I, I could give a shit less that the Nets have hired, that had hired the same firm, um, because hey, it, it you know it's a copycat league. When somebody does something um, good and it works, you should try to do the same thing. 
except the thing that the Nets do that the Knicks should be trying to aspire to is stuff like, I don't know, find shooters that other teams don't value and sign them to dirt-cheap contracts um, or maybe discarded point guards from other organizations that have some talent and bring them in your system and make them better. Um, you know, make opportune trades to take on bad salary from big market teams like the Lakers and get former number two picks in the draft back in exchange for that. Um, things like that. Not this. And the reason why I just absolutely find this absurd is because if there was ever any team that needed to bolster its brand and strengthen its ties to the fan base, it was the Brooklyn Nets, and that's because they didn't have a fan base. Um, I know I just had Evan Roberts on the program, and Evan, uh, I love you, and the reason I love you is because I'm sure you would admit, as you even said, it was like a secret society to be a Net fan for a very long time, and still kind of is. And the reason it's a secret society is because there's not a whole lot of diehard Net fans out there. So it made a whole lot of sense for the Nets to hire a firm to, you know, deal with branding and try to relate to the, the fan base, many of which live down the block from the team and could care less um, what they were doing. The nice thing about the Knicks is they could take the court wearing, I don't know, white T-shirts and, like, Russell Gray athletic shorts And no one would care because they're the Knicks. And it is, irrespective of how they have played over the last 20 years, still remains to this day one of the strongest brands in all of sports. And the fact that someone within the walls of the garden got it okayed you know, because think about how this goes. Someone has to think of this idea. And the way that this idea comes about is there's a meeting. And someone in that meeting is like, hmm, it seems like fans aren't as interested or engaged with us as we would like them to be. How can we fix this? And someone else in the meeting is like, oh, I know what we could do. Let's hire a firm to figure out how we can better engage with our fans. This, obviously, is fucking stupid. Um, And the reason it's fucking stupid is because the reason your fans are slowly becoming more and more disengaged is because you're putting five veterans on the court to start every game for a team that is 21 games under 500 um, and has not won much of anything in 20 years and uh, currently has a leadership structure which is not not inspiring much confidence in um, just about anyone that they have an idea of what to do with this team going forward. It has nothing to do with the branding. Um, It has nothing to do with any jerseys, with the court design, with any of that nonsense. It has zero to do with that. You are the New York Knicks. You are one of the maybe 10 organizations in all of professional sports that has the luxury of not worrying about any of that. And yet, again... Some meeting, some important person was like, this is the problem. Here's how we fix things by hiring this firm. And then that was okayed by probably someone higher up in the organization. And this just annoys me. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. 
if this if hearing me talk about this annoys you I, I I really do apologize. I don't like to rant and rave that much. This just got to me. And again, maybe it got to me um, because it came on the heels of the Ian Begley story earlier today, which was essentially that the team's brass um, issued a, I don't know, edict, mandate, strong suggestion um, that the team make the playoffs this season and that they would decide on who would be back based on how um, for the team they played as opposed to, you know, playing selfishly. And just again, think about this for a second. Think about the meeting that has to take place, the meeting of the minds that has to take place with with the team's front office to be like, all right, we've drafted these guys. We've signed all these guys. Like, literally, with the exception of Damian Dotson and, and Frank Nilakina, who are two guys that no one has ever accused of being selfish in their lives. Um, if anything, obviously, it's the opposite. Everybody on this team, everybody on this team, has been brought in by this front office. And when you bring in players into your organization, obviously you're bringing in players who have, you know, who, who represent the, the the ethos of the type of team you're trying to build? Um, what it just it was a little unsettling to me to read a report that the folks that built this very team also felt the need to go in and not only say it's playoffs or bust this year, um, and and whether the you know the team. Like, again, you're one player on a team, and you have people coming in and telling you how, like, what the team does is going to decide your future. Like, that can't be a great thing to hear, but even putting that aside, like, they thought that it was a good idea to go into the locker room and be like, we need to tell these guys that they can't be selfish. We have to tell them that they need to be unselfish, and unselfishness wins the day. Like, you shouldn't need to say that, one, and two... You shouldn't need to say that. And and I say that twice because you shouldn't need to say it on one end because, again, you try to bring in certain types of players. Um, but even aside from that, you shouldn't need to say it because it's not something that's said. Like, that's what your coaches are for. And you know what? The coaches don't say it. They just reinforce it by things like giving playing time or not giving playing time. And you want to know what the real kicker is? You want to know what the absolute final just kick in the groin is from this story? Is that the player that you could easily argue has been the most blatant representation of on-court selfishness for this team, both in the shots that he puts up, the commandeering of the ball that he does, and the fact that he is essentially defense optional for most of the time he's on the court, is Julius Randle. And you want to know who the one guy, the one guy in this team who hasn't been held accountable, and I, I know I'm dipping into my article that I wrote today for the newsletter or yesterday when you were listening to this, the one guy on this entire freaking roster who hasn't been held accountable in the least is Julius Randle. Like, wake me the next time that Julius Randle ends a game on the bench because he's had a crappy night. Like, let me know when that game is. I'll tune into that game. I want to watch that. You know, so I don't know. I guess the speech didn't work. Is that is that what we're the conclusion we're drawing? So yeah, um, 
again, apologize. You've now had to listen to me talk for 11 and a half minutes. But I guess it was just the combination of these two stories um, was unpalatable to me. Um, so I, I felt the need to say something about it. <sighs> okay. Um, I'm done. It's late at night. My wife is patiently waiting on the couch for us to watch uh, something. I don't know. We're going to engage in some quality time. Um, wherever you are listening to this on a Friday, I hope you have some quality time in store um, for this weekend in whatever way, shape, or form that may be. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get to our conversation with Coda Schmidt. Uh, right after, I almost forgot, uh, I would I would have kicked myself in the ass if I forgot to do this. Um, right after, a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe. So, Simply Safe Home Security, um, I've been talking about it for about a week now. It's like getting commercial grade enterprise level security, but it's for your home. Um, think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know the police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is obviously important because if the police take too much time, you're shit out of luck. And this is the type of security you get with Simply Safe. They use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. They dispatch up to 350% faster than a normal burglar alarm. That's obviously really important. Um, outdoor cameras, doorbell alerts. Um, they make you aware of anyone approaching your house if that's how you want to set it up. They have entry, motion, glass break sensors, all of the stuff that you, you need basically for a good home security system. Plus, it protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning, the silent killer. Very, very big deal. And it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set up the system yourself, no tools needed, or their experts can come and do it for you. Best of all, it is only 50 cents a day. 50 cents a day. You probably lose that much pocket change, you know, um, riding the subway, um, perhaps, if you have poorly slanted pockets. Um, it's cheap. That's the point. Go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today to get free shipping on your order plus a 60-day money-back guarantee, but you will not want to give it back because Simply Safe is really good. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. One more time, that is Simply Safe. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash overtime. Let's get to Dakota Schmidt. On the line, returning to the podcast. Always happy to say that, returning to the podcast. Um, Good friend of the show. He is someone that uh, knows the Westchester Knicks about as well as anyone who is not uh, actually working for the team. Uh, And that is Dakota Schmidt uh, of Ridiculous Upside, SB Nation's G League blog. Um, Dakota, how you doing, man? I am uh, doing good. I just uh, wrapped up a piece on one of uh, a player on uh, one of the Westchester's uh, uh, rivals in the Lakeland Magic. That guy is Vic Law, uh, and you know, right now I'm excited to talk all about the uh, Westchester Knicks with you. As am I. Um, they are arguably playing more entertaining basketball than the the New York Knicks, at least. Um, Maybe the the starting lineup, uh, given what the big club has been trotting out of late, but we don't have to get into that right now. Uh, <laughs> let's try it. Let's try to keep it more positive. So, I wanted to get you back on because since we last spoke in, uh, like you said, I think it was like late November. 
you know, it was a couple months ago. Obviously, the team has played a lot more games. I think when we spoke, they had played about seven or eight games, um, something in that realm. And now uh, they've actually played, I believe, 26. So their season is kind yeah. of um, – the season is winding down, basically. Is that is that correct? Where, it's uh, – yeah, the they regular at? season is 50 games, so – Oh, okay. It's there. I I remember it. Didn't it used to be shorter? Or am I completely making that up? It might have been. It might have been. I've been writing for <laughs> about the Geely for for so long. Well, you look. I trust you better than me. I just remember I went to a game, um, or maybe it was that the season. Started. It always ends in um. Always ends in in uh late November. No, late March. Late, late March. March. Okay. Begins. Early November and late March, fifty games. Okay, I I just remember I went to a game, um, like probably about three years ago, and it was in it was a game slightly after Christmas, and it I think it was one of the later games of the season at the at the time, but that then that wouldn't make any sense because that that wouldn't be as drastic. Maybe I'm just imagining all of this, and uh, <laughs> I need to get out more. All right, let's talk about something that's actually interesting. Um, Kenny Wooten, so. Since we last spoke, Kenny Wooten has signed a two-way deal um, with the big club. Uh, thank the good Lord for that. Um, and he has not yet appeared with the team. He's remained down in Westchester. And I think there's a lot of Nick fans, you know, with every passing game where we watch Bobby Portis go, uh, what did he go last night, two for eight, I think, um, throw up jump hooks and uh, just – generally not be a, a, a terribly helpful force on the floor um, to say nothing of like Julius Randle. I think fans are starting to get curious. So let's start here. Why don't you give me an update on how Kenny has been doing over the last few months? Um, Kenny has remained uh, one of the best uh, defenders in the game and arguably the best shot blocker um, in the game on um, since uh, we last talked, he's kind of multiple times become like an internet sensation with some of the athletic moves that he's made as part of the uh, West Russian Knicks. Of course, he signed a two-way deal with New York, and um, I, I definitely think he's improved as a player uh, last time we talked. Um, he's following, fo- following uh, less. He's showing more to his offensive game. He's passing more. He's uh, showing more. Um uh, from mid-range, so uh, yeah, uh, Kenny has definitely, at least in my eyes, made progress since uh, back in November. So I'm happy you, you talked about his mid-range game and his, his passing because what I realized this after the fact, when we talked, I I kind of had this comparison in, in my head of like a smaller Mitchell Robinson, and then, because that's uh, um, Spencer Perlman, uh, who, you know, scouts college like that's kind of the the one he had given me and it it makes sense based on kind of how his game is defensively at least but then you remember he's 6'8 235 pounds and afterwards I'm like well that's really not the size of a center I mean even no yeah even your smaller like you know um, Montrezl Harrell in in LA is like he's a he might be 6'8 but he's massive Kenny Kenny Wooten's you know the same weight as like he's couple pounds heavier than R.J. Barrett. Um, so he's not going to be a center at the next level. I guess what I'm wondering is, like, do you – from what you've seen from his shot, from his outside shot, 
Um, obviously, he hasn't taken a three this year, so his range only extends so long. But do you think he's been shooting it well enough that a lineup putting him out there at the four, or or dare I even say at the three, um, I think is that pushing it too far? Like, what, what do you see yeah, him playing? That's, that's definitely pushing it okay. uh, way too far. Um, he started shooting mid-range jumpers, but he's not shooting them that often, and. Um, I still think he has a lot of development to do in that area. Like I said, he has improved since November when it comes to passing and when it comes to uh, being more comfortable shooting outside of the paint. But that's still an extre- extremely, extremely small part of his game. So I think he needs uh, more reps as a memory shooter, more reps with the ball in his hand, the pinch pillows and cutters around him or guys going to the perimeter before um I'd be I'd personally if I was in the position of the Knicks be comfortable become comfortable putting him at the four or obviously the three okay so let's because here's what I'm already starting to think like Kenny's probably you know given the lineup like as I alluded to before the starting lineup that they have right now um and the fact that basically all of the bench minutes are being dedicated to some of New York's more um, prominent young players. Um, it, it would seem that Kenny's time is not going to be coming until after the trade deadline. And I, I don't, you know, obviously we don't know what's going to happen at the trade deadline, but I think we, if I had a guess, I would say that, you know, Bobby Portis is probably going to be on his way out. Um, and I would guess that one of Marcus Morris or Julius Randle would also be gone. Um, so, you know, that leaves us with obviously Mitchell Robinson remaining in the middle. Um, I, you know, there's always a chance maybe they bring in someone to, as a big, but I think if you're looking at Mitch and, and Taj as your, as your two remaining centers, and then maybe there are some minutes left at the power forward spot, I, I, it sounds like him and Mitch together might still be a little cramped. Would that be fair to say? Uh, definitely. I think in the pod back in uh, November, we were talking about Wooden uh, compared to Ivan Rapp, who was a two-way player at the time, and we had a little uh, debate about him. I don't, know, I don't know if you remember that. I, I do. And you said that you uh, would want to put him um, – have like Mitchell starting and then have Kenny. Mitch, Kenny, Mitch, Kenny. I think that would be a better option than having them together until, you know, Kenny uh, starts to show more um, in regards to his marriage game because he'll, he's only taken like three total attempts um, from um, mid range. So, yeah, that's, not, that's not a lot. <laughs> uh, no, it isn't. He, uh, he's been, he's been uh, scoring, but we need to see a bigger sample size of that. So I definitely think um, it would be better to uh, play those guys back to back than have them uh, together. So, and again, I'm, I'm kind of projecting here. Maybe that's unfair of me. If we do assume that at some point in the foreseeable future, um, God help me for asking too much of, of my team, but um, <laughs> that Mitchell Robinson eventually does start some games down the stretch of the season and maybe Taj gets relegated to um, a bench role. It, it's, 
I, I could see that actually working because Taj Gibson doesn't offer you anything by way of rim protection, so Kenny could kind of make up for the difference there. But maybe, you know, Taj obviously has a little bit more of an uh, extended range than Kenny Wooden. I, could you, I mean, I don't know how much time you spend watching the, the, the big club, the Knicks, but could you see maybe a, a Kenny Wooten-Taj Gibson duo um, making some sense? Possibly, and I think it's important to note that the days that Kenny Moon can yes, of be with the New York Knicks is limited, um, unless um, the team wants to sign him to um, a, a guaranteed contract or not guaranteed contract, the standard um, NBA deal after uh, his two-way deal is up. I don't know if they'll have room after uh, the trade deadline to do that, but I think it's important to... Uh, Note that, and like I've been like I've been saying, um, it's it's clear that Kenny is developing. Um, obviously, is probably the best rim protector in the league. Great offensive rebounder, but still needs to, uh, uh, at least in my eyes, show more as a passer and as a uh, mid range mid mid range threat before um, we we can have that kind of a conversation about um, where to put him. Um, his fit with Taj or his fit with uh, Mitch? Yeah, I, I mean, I think at this point we just want to see him on the floor, um, which yeah. you which you have. Has there been, before we move on to somebody else, and maybe this will be a good transition to move on to somebody else, has there been a particular player that Kenny has, has played with in Westchester that you feel there has been some nice, like, symbiosis with in terms of how he plays off of somebody in particular very well? I think that would definitely be uh, Lamar Peters. Okay. I definitely think those two players uh, share a good connection, and Peters has been a fantastic uh, facilitator, seven assists, and only 3.1 turnovers a game, so that's a really solid assist-to-turnover ratio there. And um, In regards to Peters, I definitely think he's leaning towards being a call candidate. Um, he's been fantastic uh, for me on the arc this season, and since the start of uh, 2020, he's shooting 48% on uh, almost 11 attempts per game. So that's obviously incredible. And like I said, seven assists, that's in the same time frame. But he's, despite being a six-foot guard and being pretty quick, he's mostly relegated to the perimeter because you look at his shot chart and he has just been awful from um, with uh, scoring Within the restricted area, so really, yeah, he's only shooting thirty-seven percent in the restrict. Oh my god, that's that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like, so I know from watching him in the summer league, and, and again, we spoke about him last time a little bit. Lamar Peters is quick. It, it mm-hmm. seems like he has some nice burst. Is he just really have really poor touch around the rim? Like, what's the deal? Um, I think he can be too aggressive when it comes to his shots of the paint. Um, too okay. aggressive with trying to uh, score around contact. Too aggressive with trying to get to the free throw line. And um, sometimes that works, and sometimes he does. Um, you know, get to the free throw line occasionally. But well, I see he's um, only attempting one point five free throws a game, which obviously is not a lot if and he's playing over thirty minutes a night. So that's not. It doesn't seem like that's a strength. Yeah, definitely not. But <laughs> outside of the paint, he's very good. When you when you look at the primary, when you look at his uh, work as a facilitator, he's a hard. He's also a hard work, uh, working defender. Um, 
he is definitely solid and like i said before i think um as a facilitator and you know with a with a alley-oop threat like kenny wooten is um peters has definitely shined um you know in those areas so yeah i think you know i feel like the way this is going and i don't maybe you have some something some light to shed on this is it, it would seem like um Peters is a candidate to either if they rip up uh Kadeem Allen's two way and convert that to an NBA contract, which, you know, I, I I don't know if they would plan on doing that. He's now been here for almost two years, and then give the second two way to Peters, or I guess they could convert or, or give Peters a ten day and then go from there. Um either way, is he like like he's six feet tall. He's a he's a point guard, right? He's he's not playing off ball. I'm I'm is or so, yeah, off the ball. Is that would that be fair to say? No, he's the uh, main ball handler okay. for uh, Westchester. Yeah, I guess I'm just so. Does he play a lot with Kadeem Allen? Uh, from the games that I watched, yeah, I try to watch. There are now 28 teams, so there's a yeah. lot of basketball to watch. But um, they definitely do uh, play together uh, most of the time. Okay. Yeah, I I just you know because Kadeem is more it seems like more of a, a combo guard, so it would make sense. You know, Lamar was was more of a straight one. Um, I want to get uh, ask you one or two more questions about Peters before we get into uh, Kadeem and of course is Iggy Brazdakis. One of these days I'm gonna be able to say that without mumbling. <laughs> um, but first, uh, a quick reminder from our friends um, at the Athletic. Um, so Athletic has been a sponsor of the pod now for, I think, just about a week and a half or so. And um, it's great that well, they get to be a sponsor because they're one of my favorite, if not my favorite, content source on the Internet. For anybody who doesn't know, The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site for fans. They have in-depth coverage from um, basically all the best writers in the business, or most of the best writers in the business now write for The Athletic. Obviously, locally, we have Mike Vorkanoff. Um, he came out with a piece this week, which was basically talking about the conundrum the Knicks are in over the last 38 games between trying to you know, win some basketball games versus getting enough time for the kids and like... That whole spectrum, and it was really interesting, not only because I think about that topic a lot, but because it was really well written, and, um, you know, with Mike, you're always going to get a certain flair, and uh, it, it was great, and there's a whole bunch more stuff on The Athletic. Obviously, they cover every sport. They cover every NBA team. They do live Q&As. It's everything you could possibly want. So if you want 40% off a yearly subscription to The Athletic, all you're going to do is go to theathletic.com slash overtime. One more time, that's theathletic.com slash overtime. And again, you can get a 40% discount. That's a lot of money, 40% discount off a yearly subscription. So go check that out. Um, It's definitely uh, going to be more than worth your time. I promise you, you will not be upset that you have made uh, that investment. Um, Okay, so one more quick one on Lamar. I feel like, you know... It's almost an accepted fact now that he is an NBA player and that he is going to get a shot in the NBA at some point. It do you do you think he has a ceiling? Like, is his because I feel like as an undersized guard, 
you basically have to be a, a knockdown shooter, and I feel like you have to have a certain amount of court vision that you know is going to lift up everybody else around you because of the of the you know limitations that you have because of your size. Um, obviously, Chris Paul is the best example of this in the last you know twenty years. Um, you know, I, I, with Lamar Peters, you're just looking to get a guy who like is he a rotation player? You already talked about his shooting. He's shooting it lights out. In terms of his vision, um, does he make other players around him better from the games that you've watched at Westchester? Most definitely. He definitely um, does a great job of getting his um, teammates involved. Uh, that was uh, part of that is seen from his uh, solid assist-to-turnover assist ratio, seven assists, and 3.1 turnovers since the uh, – since the start of 2020 um also from the start of the season i have um his on off um car ratio per 100 possessions if you want that yeah wh- what is that during your athletic ad break um <laughs> on the court the westchester knicks when lamar peters is on the court they're averaging 109.2 points per 100 possessions when he's off the court westchester is averaging 97.8 Ooh. Points per hundred. That's uh, that's a, that's a pretty big discrepancy. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's exciting. Uh, <laughs> that's that's very exciting. Is when he's is, does, I'm assuming Westchester doesn't have a very good backup point guard. Is that fair to say? Um, or does like Kadeem Allen play the backup point? Like what? What, what are he, they? He Lamar. Um, he shares the um work as a facilitator with Lamar. Um. You mean with Kadeem? Uh, yeah, Kadeem and Lamar share okay. uh, the role in uh, also a Tembanda, uh, a solid Julie uh, that also uh, works as a facilitator too. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, listen, that's encouraging. Um, I hope we get to see him. I, I fell in love with him in Summer League, and I'm, you know, if anybody who plays perimeter defense, you could play for my team any day, as anybody who's ever followed me on Twitter knows. Um, all right. Let's talk about two of the guys that. Nick fans have actually seen um, play with the big club because they have played still more games in Westchester than they've played up here. Let's hit uh, Kadeem Allen quickly. I, I've, I, I'm not that I've soured on him, but he, like I told you last time, I thought there were games that he played last season where I legitimately thought he was the Knicks' best player on the floor. Not that that was necessarily tough to do, but still. Um, how has his season gone in your estimation? Um, you know, um, I think it's undeniable he's a fantastic defender, right? For sure, yeah. Um, in other areas, he's been a solid facilitator. When it comes to putting the ball in the basket at a consistent rate, it's been a down year for him. Well, I see he's only averaging 11 points um, in 27 minutes of action. so that Or 11.8, I should say. But that's still... That's a drop off from where he was last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's on thirty-eight uh, percent from the field and twenty-eight percent from three on three point six attempts per game. Yeah. So how is it? I mean, not that you could answer this question, but he was shooting above forty percent from three last year in Westchester. He shot yeah. around forty percent from three up with the Knicks for a while. I think maybe he tailed off at the end. He's shooting twenty-seven percent from three now on three point six uh, attempts per game. That's that's not good. 
Um, yeah, and I think that part of that depends on where he shoots from beyond the arc. Like, there's one area where he's really uh, fantastic at it. And, uh, I, I see that because I'm looking at his uh, shot chart okay. um, in front of me. There's one area uh, where he's shooting 41%, and that's like um, that's like on the right elbow. Okay. Right, um, you know, on the verge of um, the top of the arc. Okay. Um, that's where he's shooting 41%. But at the top of the three-point line, on eight t- attempts, 12%. You go left, uh, 25 on 16 attempts. So um, that's... Um, essentially, um, it's not great. But, <laughs> it's not what you put want. all that together, and you know he's not that, but not uh, that great of a shooter. Hasn't been able to really score efficiently from uh, within the restricted area, and and also we should I, say I still he, like him as a player. He, I had him in the top uh, ten of my uh, top fifty players list. Um, if I did that today, he would definitely be you know dropped down. Potentially not even be in the list. Oh really? But okay. I, I I'm still I'm still a Kadeem Mountain fan. I've been a Kadeem Mountain fan since I watched him as a rookie when he was a two way player uh, with the Boston Celtics. And despite all of what I see before me with my eyes, with the with the sats, with the shot, shot charts, and you know seeing him struggle in the in the games I watched. I don't want to give up on him because of how great he is on defense. <laughs> I don't listen. I don't want to give up on him either. I and again, that's a product of um, being a Nick fan uh, for just so many years and seeing so many years of, of poor defense. Although the last three games have actually defended. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, if nothing else, as a 15th man, I, I'm I'm all for it. Um, I just I remember thinking at times last year, like this guy would be like a real player and it, it sounds like that you know he he's the, the offensive drop off is, is enough to uh maybe put the kibosh on that all right um before we get you out of here I, we have to talk about Iggy for a little bit um he has played I'm gonna pull it up right now um I I don't I, I'm gonna actually guess I'm gonna make myself 13 look, games well for I, I was actually gonna say how many I'm gonna guess how many minutes he's played for the big club um I'm gonna guess he's played 28 minutes for the Knicks this season. Let's see how far off I am. He has played 53 minutes for the Knicks this season. All right. My, <laughs> the first number that popped into my head was 50, and then I'm like, no, that's way too much. But I guess he has played 50. Um, I guess they've been in more, more blowouts than I remember. So you obviously have a much better sense of Iggy than, than we do up here. Um, I guess the most important, like it seems like he had, he had that one big game early on, which you documented with several video clips, which was awesome. Um, has he kind of been roughly the same? Have there been noticeable improvements to his game? Like, what are you, what are you seeing from him? Um, he, his, uh, shooting has definitely, uh, taken a little nosedive on um, right now for the year. He's shooting 32% on 5.1 attempts per game. But still, and that's from deep, right? That's from deep, yeah. Okay. That's from three. But the one strength that I, you know, had uh, that I liked about him back in November when I was doing that uh, video thread, and I still have now, is that he is really solid and really smart when it comes to being able to 
uh, drive to the rim and maneuver around the paint and get the best look um, at the basket. He, you know, for a young player, what is he, 20, 21? Yeah, he's, he's uh, I believe, he, well, he was born January of 99, so he just turned 22, if my math is correct. I th- that's, that's 21. 21? Well, let's see. Yeah, he was born in 99, <laughs> so then in yes. 2009, he would have turned 20 in January. To, yeah, so you are, or 2019. Yeah, okay. I'm not good at math. I should not be a math teacher. Someone <laughs> should probably come get my teaching license. Um, okay, so he's he's 21 years old. That's great. Just turned 21, we should say. Um, and he's already a smart player, which is not something the Knicks have a lot of. I, has he been playing exclusively the three um, for Westchester, or they, have they used him at all at the four? Um, they use him at uh, both spots, okay. depending on the matchup. So, like, you know, we're, we're now a year and a half into a lot of people screaming at the top of their lungs, play Kevin Knox more at the four. Hasn't happened a lot. This, this organization, at least currently, with the powers that be in place, seems to want to play guys – up a position as opposed to down a position. Um, ha, like even put, just putting that aside for a second, has there been any noticeable difference to you in terms of like stuff he's been able to do on the floor, how effective he's been able to be in uh, when he plays one position versus another, or is it pretty much the same same difference? I think um, he's better at the four because he's not the fastest player. Um, you know, he doesn't have that. You know, doesn't have that burst, but he still finds a way to get into the paint, whether it's utilizing his pretty strong frame or, you know, solid jumbo moves or fakes or he kind of, even though he's only 21, he already kind of, kind of has an old man game. I love that. Uh, yeah. Which is, which is, you know, great to see us. He, he sometimes posts up and, you know, his full work is happening there. Um, like I said, when he gets to the paint, he um, does some fakes. He uh, showcases for work, obviously there. And I, I, even though he's not shooting the best from three, I still like his game due to the maturity that I see of him, and also his ability to um, move the ball around to uh, other players. Um, he's averaging around the three assists uh, per game, which you know for you know, a player that works at the three and the four is pretty solid, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I would absolutely take that. He's, you know, I see he's up over seven rebounds a game. I um, mean, his overall field goal percentage is, is 48%. And then um, I'm looking here, true shooting, 572. Like, that, you know, that's fine. Um, I see his usage rate. Um, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but he has a, a 27 usage, which is pretty high. Is when he's on the floor, is he is like the offense basically going through him? Is it or or are they just giving him the rock and telling him to like go to work? Um, I think they're at a point. Uh, Derek Alston and the Westchester staff are at the point. Also, you know, because of um, him being a New York Knicks player. Uh, the organization wants him with the ball as much as possible to, you know, quicken his uh, development. Because, like you said, the New York Knicks—they need good players. <laughs> so, you're, um, you're kidding me. I, I had not realized that before. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you don't realize that. Nah, you watch every game. Uh, it, I, one of these days, I'll wake up and realize that. No, I mean so that makes sense. I, which kind of leads. I mean, I, I'm 
Uh, I'm leading to one last question I want to ask you, and it's an unfair question, and I'm putting you on the spot. And if you don't have an answer, I, I wouldn't blame you. But, like, the, you just brought it up, and it's something that I think about a lot because I'm, I'm constantly trying to find positives with what this organization has been doing. And and the one one of the positives that we have heard now for years, and I think there is some evidence to bear this out, is that there's this – you know, there's this strong bond with Westchester, and obviously Mike Miller is the the coach of the big club now. And you know, they brought up a bunch of players. You know, going all the way back to like um, Langston Galloway and and all of that. Do you? That's a player you guys shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have uh, given up on. Give up? You yeah. think he's? I, I I think he's leading the league in corner threes or from one of the corners this year. It's insane. Yeah, he's uh, very uh, solid basketball. Yeah, and, and you know he's he's good. <laughs> And he's still not that old. Um, do you like? Do you have a sense of if there is really some special sauce here with whatever they have going on in Westchester? Was that more just like a product of Mike Miller being a really good coach that we heard a lot of that stuff? Do you like you watch all of these G League teams? I'm sure you have a sense. Of like, okay, this team clearly has a like something that they're like a, a culture or a style of play or like whatever. Like, what what is the overall sense that you get from Westchester? Not even as ter- in terms of like how good of a team they are. I mean, their record is like I think they're a game under five hundred. But just like, do you feel like there is something greater like at work here than maybe what we could see from the stats? If you do, you get my catch my drift with what I'm getting at here. Uh, I do, I do, and I, I, I definitely see that from Westchester and how um, they, they're a team that do a, uh, a great job at least at the dealing level when it comes to really showcasing the strengths of players and hiding uh, their weaknesses, and I think that's most evident with a guy like Lamar Peters that is, you know, such a great three point shooter, such a solid facilitator and even though like I like I mentioned before he's not shooting the best <laughs> from within the, the restricted area but his sample size is small from there he's only shooting since the uh, since the start of the year start of um 2020 he's only shot around 30 attempts from within the restricted area so they're keeping him on the perimeter they're you know keeping him as a facilitator and um, you look at a guy uh like uh Kenny Moon you know they let him do what he does best on defense. They let him, you know, crash the offensive glass. But, you know, they also, you know, push him in the direction of saying, hey, uh, we're kind of facilitating a bit, maybe shoot a mid-range shot or or two. And I think um, that's a sign of a uh, solid G-League organization with um, really showcasing strengths, but also – slowly developing um a player's uh weaknesses and letting them experiment on some things that they you know want to work on for you know they make a leap to the NBA level which uh we've been seeing from a guy like Wooten we've been seeing you know from a guy like uh Lamar Peters I I lied I'm going to ask you one more question because I just thought of it as All you right. were as you were speaking um and again this is putting you on the spot not something i even said that i wanted to talk about um but 
Do you, in your opinion, just your opinion, do you think a guy like Kevin Knox would benefit from, like, being on the Westchester Knicks for a period of time? Um, I think it depends on, by the player, and it depends on what the organization's plan with Kevin is and what they tell him they're playing with to put him on uh, Westchester is. Um, I would say... Um, if he isn't producing best and he still needs uh, time to develop his game, I definitely think that could be a good possibility. But it ten- depends on the, the organization's relationship with the player and the plan that they actually have in uh, place for him. Yeah. Because um, while it's while it's under different circumstances, um, a similar thing is kind of we. I've been seeing a some. It's a bit of a similar situation in Memphis with uh, Josh Jackson. Um, you know, like Kevin, Josh. Um, what was it? A year before Kevin? He, yeah, so he he's was a, a top he, five pick. He's a year earlier, but he was the fourth pick. Kevin Knox obviously yeah. was the uh, where was he? The eighth or the ninth pick? Yeah. Yeah. So they were both top ten picks. Uh, Josh has more um, off court issues, and also yes. still needs to do develop his game and Josh has really improved as a player at the G League level. He's improved as a three point shooter. He's shown progression um as a passer, as a as a defender. You know, he's still down in the G League and I really can't, you know, comment on the inner workings of the of the Yeah, Chris no, East for sure. I comes to that situation. No, but I, but I, I think, think you make a good point with like um, other teams are doing this with high pedigree guys. Yeah, if um if the Knicks tell Kevin that we want you down in uh, Westchester, we want you to gain confidence as a player, and we want you to also work on some skills and w- experiment uh, more with your game. Uh, I, I'm not sure what Kevin's weaknesses as a player is right now in the second year. Uh, with New York, it's been a while since I uh, watched film of him, but I think it would be a good idea for the Knicks to take that approach of um, telling him to go to Westchester to boost his confidence as a player and also um, try to insert other things to, um, into the game that he wouldn't be able to in you know, the high-pressure um, situations with New York, even though... The Knicks aren't going to the playoffs. They're yeah, still I think that's a team the... that play um, big time games in a big time market. You know, every single night. I, you know, I, I don't know. I vacillate on this, and I, I'll be honest with you. I've leaned towards no. I don't think he needs time in Westchester because we. I mean, he. Not that it was like the best month in rookie history, but the guy was you know rookie of the month last year, and he has shown the ability to do it at this level. And I don't think it's a matter of changing his game. I think it's just a matter of him you know, working out some kinks. And I do think though the confidence thing uh, is big. I just don't know if sending him down would, would help or hurt his confidence. Like to me, Dennis Smith Jr. is a more obvious candidate to go down to the G League because he's just, you know, he's hurting his team immensely when he's out there right now, which um, yeah. there's, um, there's, there's, there's definitely pos- positivity about telling a player, Hey, you know, you spend a few days or a week down in the G League, you play a game or two or three, go off, put up 30 points. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Players say you're definitely better than, you know, come back up. Yeah, no, I I, I don't, I don't 
I, I, I see both sides of the art. I don't know. I don't think they'll do it. And I think the big the big difference, obviously, between Knox and Josh Jackson is Josh Jackson is on his second um, his second organization, so there's not kind of that um, that optics issue. And we know, if nothing else, um, especially with the news tonight that they've hired a, a rebranding firm, uh, the, the Knicks and also do um, care about optics. There's a difference between the Memphis sports media yes. and New York. Yes, yes, yes and yes, also. Yes. Kevin Knox's status as a top ten player, and the headline of Kevin Knox assigned to the Westchester Knicks, um, could definitely get a <laughs> yeah no no no, no. I, I you, make some news on some uh, certain uh, sports talk uh, radio stations yeah but who, who cares what they say um <laughs> all right listen Dakota you have given more of your time than uh, I originally asked and I definitely appreciate that so I um. In case anybody doesn't know, you could find Dakota um, at uh, on Twitter at Dakota underscore underscore Schmidt, S C H M I D T, and then also obviously you run the uh, ridiculous upside uh, account for SB Nation, which is awesome. I visit there frequently to see what's uh, what's new and exciting in the world of the G League. So that's R I D I C upside. Um, on Twitter, anything in particular you want to plug or promote before I get you out of here? Well, I don't know how much um, interest it would be to New York fans, but I just like thirty minutes before I had um, hopped up, ho- hopped on, uh, <laughs> hopped up this, uh, hopped up, term. hop on. It's all good. Same, <laughs> hopped same. on this podcast. Same I uh, finished a piece on uh, Orlando Magic to a player. Uh, um, Big Law, who I'm a gigantic fan of. If you want to know more about a, a player on another um, organization, read that piece. But I have a few things in the works. Okay. It's exciting. Working on. Hey, listen. That yeah. may be uh, Westchester uh, related. Well, but also, um, I want the fans of this podcast to follow one person, and that's somebody that covers the Westchester Knicks uh, for Ridiculous Upside. He's a great follow. He live tweets all the games, and that is uh, Chris Prezak. Uh, oh, I'm a big fan of his. I, he does yeah. a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's spell his name out for for people who may not. Um, what is it? Is it? Does he spell with a K or C? I think it's a C, right? It's a C H R I S. Chris. That's, okay, I have it right now. So C H R I S P R I C Z A K. Yes, I follow Chris. Yes. I have followed Chris for a while. Somehow he only has two hundred eighty-seven followers on Twitter. Hopefully, hopefully, um, listeners can push him over uh, three hundred. No, man, he's, he's Chris is good, man. I, it's, I'm actually shocked to see that he has so few followers because he's he does great stuff reporting on on the Westchester team and. Um, you know, like it or not, they they continue to be a source for for players for the big club. All right, um, Dakota, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll try to get you on one more time before the end of the season. But in the meantime, um, you know, Godspeed, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. 